0: This episode was first posted July 4th, 2011. This is Movies for the Blind, episode 176, The Fat Man, part one of two.
1: Give my compliments to the chef.
0: Hello, and welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. Pardon me, I have a bit of a cold this time. We start a mystery which uses a conceit most of us are familiar with from TV and books, the corpulent investigator. From Nero Wolfe to Cannon to Jake and the Fat Man, we've enjoyed tales of clever men with big appetites who let younger, fitter people do the groundwork following up on their canny deductions. One of these men was based on writings by the legendary Dashiell Hammett, who helped develop a character for a radio show which became a hit for the ABC network in the States in the late 40s. With different actors, it was also a hit in Australia. It led to the inevitable movie version, and the American star J. Scott Smart made the transition from radio to film, in part because he looked as big as he sounded, actually bigger, weighing 270 pounds, which was almost 40 pounds heavier than the character was supposed to be. Maybe more important, though, are the appearances of a few performers who'd become known for bigger things. I'll get to them later, but for now, keep your ears peeled for them. From 1951, this is The Fat Man. Universal International Universal International presents... The Fat Man Starring J. Scott Smart with Julie London, Rock Hudson, Clinton Sundberg Jane Meadows, John Russell, Jerome Cowan Marvin Kaplan Introducing the world-famous clown Emmett Kelly Screenplay by Harry Essex and Leonard Lee From a story by Leonard Lee Director of Photography, Irving Glassberg Musical direction, Joseph Gershenson sound Leslie I Carey Robert Pritchard produced by Aubrey Shank. directed by William Castle at night in New York the shadow of a man crosses a building's entrance he walks through one of the glass front doors and goes down a couple steps to the floor of the lobby scuffed with the day's foot traffic he passes a cleaning woman on her knees scrubbing then another who straightens up to watch his back as he passes a front desk where a man sorts mail. The visitor considers a sign detailing events at the Westbrook Hotel and focuses on a dental convention featuring a Dr. H.R. Bromley. At room 1812, a gloved hand knocks.
2: One moment, please.
0: The door opens.
2: Dr. Bromley? Yes, what is it?
0: Lunging, the visitor knocks him over the head. Bromley collapses, unconscious. The visitor steps over him, then bends down to lift Bromley by the shoulders and drag him to a chair where he's seated. Stepping to a desk, the visitor goes through some papers, then he turns to file pockets on a suitcase on the bed and goes through them. He pulls out some envelopes and leaves through them as he turns back to a lamp on the desk. He opens one and pulls out a sheet of film, dental x-rays. puts it back in the envelope, which he stuffs into a jacket pocket. Then he takes the other envelopes and puts them back in the suitcase. Turning to Bromley, still unconscious in the chair, he pulls out a small bottle, opens it, lifts Bromley's head, and pours some of the bottle's contents into his mouth. He closes the bottle, then puts it into Bromley's hand, pressing his fingers around it, holding it carefully at its top, He steps to the desk and sets the bottle down, then turns out the lamp. He goes to a window and pulls up the blinds, then opens it and leans out to look down, many stories to a roof with a skylight. Turning back inside, he pulls down sheer curtains and wraps them around one of Bromley's forearms as he picks the doctor up. He drags him over to the window, bends him through it, and drops him over. Bromley tumbles toward the skylight, The visitor turns inside again and walks through the dark room. He opens the door and steps into the hall. He crosses to a couple elevators and is about to press the call button when one opens and a woman steps out. The visitor goes in as she crosses the hall to room 1812 and presses the door buzzer. Trying the doorknob, she finds it unlocked, steps inside, and closes the door.
3: Later in the room. I worked for Dr. Bromley in California. Been his nurse for years.
4: Anything the matter with him?
3: Well, he was just nervous about a speech he was going to make before the convention tonight. This it? Yes. A detective picks up a file. It was a new system for dental bridge work he was trying. I was going to help him with the X-ray demonstration.
4: Too bad. How's it stack up for you, Frank? Dead due to accidental causes. Well, that about washes it up for my department.
3: But it doesn't make sense.
4: No, sure it does. The doc can't sleep, so he
3: he picks up the bottle.
4: Takes something to help him. Stuff makes him dizzy, so he tries to open a window to get some air.
0: The detective opens the window. He
4: loses his balance, makes a grab at the curtains. Falls out the window. Accidents happen 380 times a day in a city like this. Trucks, windows, guns. Do you take care of the doctor's things? Of course. Thanks. If we want you, we'll contact you. Come on, Frank.
0: The detectives leave the room. The woman shuts the door. Then crosses the room to the window and looks out. Later, outside the patio of a Washington Square restaurant, a cab pulls up. The driver gets out and opens the back door for the woman and points toward the patio. Uh,
4: See that fellow there, lady? Just tell him you want Brad Runyon.
3: Thanks.
0: She goes to a table where a man stands with a glass of milk. I'm looking for Mr. Runyon. He
5: seasons a salad. Boss is getting ready to eat, ma'am. It's important. Well, nothing's more important to the fat man than eating.
3: There isn't much time, please. Hey, you. A waiter turns. Yo. He walks over.
4: The name is Louie, not Hey, You. For 43 years already, it's Louie. <laughs> all
5: right, uh, Louie. Uh, tell Mr. Runyon he has uh, company. He's in surgery. we we'll are getting Inside.
0: Prongs. One of a few chefs hands a man some. Knife. The same chef hands over a large knife, and they all watch under harsh light. Slicer. He hands a thinner knife to the man, rotund with a mustache and also wearing chef's clothes. He looks up.
1: Voila, gentlemen. The operation was a success.
0: They stand around an expertly carved roast as Louis approaches the surgeon and whispers in his ear. Runyon nods, and as Louis steps away, A chef helps Runyon take off his chef's whites. Louis returns with Runyon's suit jacket and helps him put it on.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Yours was the real artistry.
0: Runyon steps away from the table. Then turns back.
1: I bow to you, fellow gourmet. With
0: a bow, which is returned, Runyon takes off his chef's hat and tosses it to one of them. Then walks out to the patio.
2: <laughs>
0: See, the man tosses the salad. See, it's
5: the, it's the way you toss it that's important. First five to the right, and then five to the left. Oh, hello, boss. Uh, Miss Adams, the boss.
1: How do you do?
0: He steps to the table where she sits.
1: And uh, what would Miss Adams want for the private detective?
0: He sits.
3: A private talk. And taste some salad.
1: Bill, how many times have I told you? A spendthrift for the oil, a miser with the vinegar. More oil, boy. More oil. Well, I've got some right here, boss. Beat it.
5: But the salad isn't finished yet.
1: Take it with you and eat it.
5: With my digestion, it'd be poison. Pure poison. That's all. A little soft cooked oatmeal with milk is all I can have today.
3: Bill walks off with the salad in oil.
1: Okay, sweetheart. How can I be of service?
3: Mr. Runyon. The name Dr. Bromley.
0: Does it mean anything to you? Bromley. Louis arrives with a tray of dishes which Runyon smells with delight.
1: <sighs> Splendid, Louis. Splendid. Give my compliments to the chef. Thank you, sir.
3: As I was saying, Mr.
1: Uh, will you join me, Miss Adams?
3: louis serves well i begin to see why they call you the fat man
1: (laughs) that's a title i intend to live up to sweetheart
3: dr bromley is dead
1: what's that got to do with me
3: he had an appointment to see you tonight i found the memo in his appointment book when i was getting his things together
1: that was before he fell to his death
3: then you know about it
1: (laughs) i read the papers sweetheart
3: and you don't think there was anything wrong about the accident should i No. But what I mean is, why should he want to see a detective?
1: I don't know. He didn't tell me over the phone. He just asked for an appointment.
3: He starts eating,
0: then looks at Miss Adams.
1: You work pretty closely with the doc. Any worries? Anybody annoy him?
3: Well, he never told me.
1: Well, it doesn't help me very much, does it, sweetheart?
3: I'm frightened, Mr. Runyon. I have a feeling I'm being watched, followed.
1: Now relax. You're just on the edge.
3: I'm taking the three o'clock plane back to California today. I want to make sure I get on that plane.
1: Very simple. All you have to do is hail a cab, and you get there.
3: I'd feel much safer if you saw me on it.
1: Okay, sweetheart, if it'll make you feel any better. Uh, Bill?
3: Turning from a nearby table,
0: Bill gets up and brings the salad and oil.
5: It's well-oiled now, boss.
1: Bill, you're taking Miss Adams to the airport.
5: Well, I haven't had my oatmeal yet.
1: Have it later, and see that she gets on the plane safely. Well, I'd like to see anyone
5: stop us. She says, Goodbye,
3: Mr. Runyon, and thank you.
1: No, not at all.
3: She leaves. Bill gives Runyon an OK
0: sign and follows. Then Runyon returns to enjoying his meal. Later, all that remains is coffee and a snifter of brandy, which he lifts to his nose, enjoying the aroma. Before drinking, he notices something and stops. Bill approaches, disheveled.
5: That was a great job you gave me. What happened? What happened, he asks. Bill sits. The last thing I remember was taking Miss Adams back to her hotel to send a telegram when... I haven't had my
1: oatmeal yet. Never mind your oatmeal. What happened?
5: I was sapped, that's what. You ask me that dame, screwy.
1: Where did you leave her?
5: Where did I leave her? Look, when I came to, I-, I was propped up in a linen closet. Runyon stands. Come on. But I haven't had anything to eat yet. Bill stands. Later. Yeah, but I ought to have a little milk or something to ah. go on, you know. Hey,
1: taxi.
0: They walk to the curb, where they're met by the taxi.
1: The LaGuardia Airport, step on it.
0: They get in the back. Later, at the airport, in a busy terminal,
6: Announcing departure of the eastern of flight number 76.
0: Bill and Runyon enter a lounge.
1: Hello, oh, Arnold. A waiter turns to them. Hello, Sir Runyon. There she is, boss. They glance across the room. You going out and get your oatmeal? Oh, I can you
0: When Bill steps out, Runyon approaches Adams, who sits by a window. 24.
4: Mind if I sit down? All aboard.
0: He does regardless.
1: I see you made it all right. I thought I... You thought what, Miss Adams?
3: That man who had been following me.
1: The one who sapped Bill?
3: He's all right, isn't he?
1: It's too bad you didn't wait around to find out.
3: I was scared. I got panicky and ran.
1: Same thing as the lady, I know. The waiter leaves. Now, suppose you give it to me straight, sweetheart.
3: I am giving it to you straight. If it sounds crazy, I can't help it. This whole trip's been a nightmare. First, the doctor. Now me.
1: I'm beginning to think maybe your hunch was right. Maybe the same little fellow with a happy blackjack was the one the doc wanted to talk to me about. I'm going to stick on this case.
3: But I haven't any money, Mr. Runyon. I couldn't pay you anything.
1: Forget it, sweetheart. This one's on the house. All you have to do is answer questions.
0: Otto serves the drink.
1: Now, what did the doc mean to you?
3: He was good to me. He helped me over a lot of rough spots. He was good to everybody why would anyone want to kill a nice person like the doctor
1: we don't know that anyone did what about the don? did he have anything worth stealing
3: no he never wore any jewelry and his money hadn't been touched
1: well that eliminates robbery as a motive
3: now that you mention robbery there was something missing oh an x-ray plate it was one of six that he brought along as an exhibit to prove a new theory on dental bridge work
1: Who's the patient
3: a man named roy clark
1: was there anything special about Roy?
3: He was a new patient. Wait a minute. I guess maybe there was something special about him. We first saw him one night about a month ago. We had just closed the office when I heard the bell ring. She remembers opening the office door.
2: There's a doctor around Oh toothache's killing me.
3: Oh, come in. The
0: handsome man in casual clothes enters and soon after sits in a dentist chair while Bromley examines the x-ray.
2: You've let this condition go far too long. I'll have to extract several teeth. Anything you say, Doc.
0: Bromley nods to Adams, who later removes Roy's bib.
2: Uh, Come back in a week. We'll make an impression for the bridge. Thanks, Doc. It was driving me bats. Roy stands. Will it be all right if I only give you ten bucks now? I'm kind of short. Well, certainly. Jane, uh, get this gentleman's name and address.
0: She takes notes.
2: Roy Clark, 4228 West Olympic Boulevard. That's Wilson's Motel. Thanks again, Doc. Expect you a week from today.
3: About four o'clock. Good enough. He pays Jane and leaves. The next time we saw Roy Clark was over a week later. Only you wouldn't know it was the same man. Hello. He wears a suit. Why, Mr. Clark. The doctor's free. He can see you right away. Thank you. Soon after in the exam room.
2: I'll call you in about 10 days, Mr. Clark. We'll have the bridge all ready for you. Swell.
3: You're still at Wilson's Motel?
2: Oh, no. I've moved. He stands. You can get me at sunset 3 3298. Owen oh, Doug. He
0: pulls out a wad of
2: bills. Here's something a little extra for carrying me when you didn't know if you'd collect. Well, it isn't necessary. I was my pleasure, Duck.
0: Giving half to Jane, Roy leaves. Bromley also leaves the exam room. Jane steps to a window and looks out through the blinds at a chauffeur standing by a convertible across the street who gets into the car as Roy approaches. Jane watches Roy get into the car with the chauffeur. He drives away. Later, Bromley's on the phone.
2: Sunset 332 Mr. Roy Clark, please.
0: Jane sits at a typewriter.
2: Well, he was supposed to come in to have a fitting on his bridge. I see. When you get in touch with him, have him call me. Dr. Henry Bromley. The number's in the book
0: at the airport with Runyon and Bill.
3: And that was the day before he left for New York.
1: You've never heard from Roy Clark since?
3: No, never, Mr. Runyon. The last time I saw him was the day he came over with a chauffeur. Hmm.
1: I'd like to know what was on that x-ray. You got any duplicates of it?
3: Just one, but it's in California back in the office.
1: Okay, we're gonna have a look at that x-ray. Bill, get us a couple of tickets.
5: Hey, we'll be able to get us some of that apple strudel in Beverly
1: Hills. Never mind the strudel. And after you get the tickets, call Nat and have them send our stuff out. Right, boss.
0: Sometime later, a large plane lands. Once it's stopped, an attendant climbs a stairway to the plane and opens its main passenger door. A sign at the bottom of the stairway reads, Welcome to California in English and Spanish. Later
3: in Bromley's office, Jane leased through the files where Clark should be. It's gone.
1: Are you sure you had a duplicate?
3: Positive. I filed it away myself.
1: Are there any other records on Roy Clark in the office?
3: Just a card with the patient's name and address on
5: it. We'll
1: oh, check that.
3: Closing the file cabinet. She opens a card file drawer and looks through it. That's gone, too.
1: What about the phone number Clark left?
3: I put it in my appointment book. She opens it as Runyon says. Yes, here it is. Sunset 33298.
1: Three, Looks like Roy Clark figures after all.
0: He makes a phone call and later feeds a horse a sugar cube outside a stable.
1: I'm afraid I can't tell you too much about Roy. I hadn't seen him for years. Evidently, he'd had a pretty tough time of it. Well, naturally, when he came to me, I was glad to help out a friend, stake into a room.
0: The man turns and waves to a woman and man, each riding a horse toward them.
1: Hello, dear. May I present my wife? This is Mr. Runyon.
4: How do you do, Mrs. Gordon? How do you do? Uh, Tony, will you have the car ready in half an hour, please?
1: Yes, sir.
0: Gordon helps his wife down.
4: Runyon's trying to find out what happened to Roy. How long was it he stayed with us, dear?
0: Oh, about
3: three weeks.
1: He left rather suddenly, I gather.
3: Oh, very. He had an offer of a job somewhere in Kansas.
1: Doing what? Selling.
0: Tony, the chauffeur, helps lead the horses away. Did he
1: leave any address?
3: No. Roy's always been like that, just leaves without warning.
1: Yes, but he'll be around when you least expect him. Well, thanks very much. Uh, where are you stopping in case I should hear from Roy? The Beverly Wilshire Hotel. Right. So long. Bye.
3: As
0: Runyon walks off, the Gordons glance at each other. Later, at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel,
5: Runyon eats a meal in his suite. So then the manager said to me, why should Mr. Runyon require a kitchenette, my good man? We are proud of having the finest cuisine west of Chicago. Mm. Bill tastes some soup and frowns. West of Chicago. Well, that's when I pulverized him. I said, now let me give you a piece of advice, bub. Once you're west of the Hudson River, they know from nothing
1: except making with a frying pan. <laughs> How to make friends. Mm. That might be her now.
0: Setting down his glass of milk, Bill gets up and steps around the table
3: to answer the door. Well, what kept you. Sorry, I couldn't make it for lunch, but I got tied up.
0: Jane goes to the table. Hello, Mr. Runyon.
1: Hello. Uh, sit down.
3: Thank you. Bill helps with her chair. You still want to help? Of course I do.
1: Good. Uh, Bill, pour Miss Adams some coffee, hmm?
3: He does. Thanks.
1: That chauffeur you were talking about, the one who drove Roy Clark over to the doc's office? Want to try a codfish think...
3: cake? No, thanks.
1: I think i found him. He works for a fellow named Gordon. Does the name mean anything to you? No. Well, I want to make sure he was the one who drove Roy that day. So if you'll go over to Gordon Place and can identify him, I've got an idea for my next move.
5: All right. How's that for flavor? Runyon stands is Jane Sips. Wonderful.
1: Bill. Yes, boss? You're taking Miss Adams over to the Gordon Place.
5: Oh, not me, boss. The last time I took her anywhere, I wound up in the linen closet.
1: <laughs> I got a date with a cop.
5: Oh, here we go again.
1: Oh, uh... You got me a car? A honey, boss.
5: It's right downstairs.
0: It's a classic open roadster with a large steering wheel on the right side. Stepping out of the hotel, Runyon considers it, sharing a look with the doorman beside him. They approach the car, whose rear seat and passenger seat are covered with a tarp.
4: Want me to call a cab? I'll tell
1: you in a minute.
0: Opening the driver's door, Runyon assesses how to get into the low, tight space. He steps onto the seat, then slides himself down to sit and closes the door. With a smile, he gets the car started and drives away. Later, in the homicide department office of Lieutenant Stark...
4: Up until 1940, Gene Gordon and his partner Happy Stevens were mixed up in everything, from slot machine rackets to bookmaking. His wife doesn't seem to fit into that picture. Oh, she's ready to shut her eyes to his background as long as he keeps her in horses. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing on him at all, huh? Oh, we've pulled Gordon in a dozen times and never been able to get a charge that would stick. it's water. Even the feds double-checked his income tax returns. He's too smart. He drinks. What about Stevens? Is he legit too? Sort of. Mr. Happy Stevens bought into a hotel and gambling casino in Las Vegas. But nothing on Roy Clark? No, not in our files. It's a phony name, maybe. He only had a little more to go on.
1: Well, I'm following a thin thread. If it doesn't break in my hand, it may lead to something. Well,
4: I don't think you've got a chance. But you'll back me up if I need help. Back you up? Oh brother! I'll give you my right arm if you can hang something on those guys and make it stick.
0: <laughs> Later in a phone booth.
4: Well, what'd you find out, Jane? He's the
1: chauffeur, all right. Good girl. I'll take it from here. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye.
0: Hanging up. He maneuvers himself to get out of the booth past a woman and a
6: boy. See, Reginald, stuff yourself. You'll look like that.
0: The boy drops a candy bar and ice cream cone. <laughs>
6: Later at the hotel,
5: Bill mixes drinks in a pitcher. The trick, boss, isn't just dumping the things into the shaker. It's the order you use and brown sugar. They
0: smile and turn to the door when a small man walks in. He turns to them.
5: Well, listen, so ain't the fat man? How you been? <laughs>
1: swell swell shifty and you
5: can't complain what's the idea of using a pass key we got a bell out there so what i forgot yeah well see that you remember this is no heist what's the matter with him ulcers <laughs> very funny as bill keeps mixing
0: shifty picks up a drink and they notice their jackets match bill takes the drink and steps away
1: some of the boys have been asking about you shifty you don't say you ever see Melty the Needle? <laughs> no, not lately. I haven't been around the Bowery.
5: I beg your pardon. Bill takes a
0: dish from Shifty. Here, buster. Who he gives him a box, too. Oh, oh, thank you.
1: What's up, Bradford? I'm looking for some advice. Like what? Like where I can find a character named Clark. Roy Clark.
4: Roy Clark? I never heard him.
0: He picks up binoculars.
4: What about Gordon?
0: And peers at Bill with them.
4: Nice coat.
0: (laughs) Bill goes to him and takes the binoculars away.
4: You wouldn't be meanin' Gene, Gordon.
1: That's my boy. Forget him. I can't.
0: With a shrug, Shifty turns to the table, and Bill gathers the cutlery.
5: Did I ever steer
4: you wrong, Bradford?
1: No, you haven't. And I'm depending on you to help me out this time, too.
4: All right, I'm helping you. Take my tip. Forget him.
1: What about that chauffeur that works for him? Anthony? Yeah, that's the one.
4: He's a two bit phony.
1: I gotta get something on him. Something I can hold over him and make him talk.
6: You're getting in up to your neck.
1: Well, it's my neck. Come on, Spill it.
6: Okay. Tony and Gordon's wife have been two timing him.
1: I figured as much. You'll
6: wind up with a shiv in the throat if Gordon finds out about it.
1: <laughs> You're a good boy, Shifty. Thanks.
6: Runyon takes up money.
1: Yeah. No, Bradford, no, no. But
6: he accepts it.
0: It's
4: a pleasure, and give my best to the boy. I'll do that.
0: Shifty stops at the door. Hey,
5: Buster. Yeah? You forgot this one.
0: He tosses him a bowl from under his jacket and leaves. At night, Tony walks out of the Gordon estate wearing a chauffeur's uniform. Checking his watch, he gets in a convertible with the roof up and Runyon in the back seat.
1: Hello, Tony. He turns with a start. Oh. What are you doing here? Just resting. How's it going, Tony? No complaints. You're lucky. I got lots of complaints. You're not so lucky, huh?
0: He faces the wheel again. Got an air in the view for Mrs.
1: Gordon. Very attractive woman, Mrs. Gordon.
0: Tony slumps a little, then turns back to Runyon.
1: What's the pitch, mister? I want to know where Roy Clark is. You talk and I keep my mouth shut about you and Gordon's wife. You don't, I talk. Why, you're crazy. How would I know where he is? You chauffeured him around plenty in this fancy car, didn't you? So what?
2: I take lots of people around.
1: Okay, Tony, you better start running because Gordon's gonna get a phone call. Open the door. No, wait a minute. Look, I'm giving it to you straight. I don't know where he is. They tell me Gordon's a real tough boy. Maybe Pat knows. Who's Pat?
2: Damie was sweet at the Anchor Club in Hollywood. I dropped him off every night almost.
1: What does she look like, this Pat?
2: Blonde. Where's a charm bracelet Troy got her? You know, the kind with um, animals and coins and
1: things hanging off of it.
0: Later, the Anchor Club,
1: would you join me for a drink?
0: A beautiful woman with a charm bracelet turns. Why not?
1: I'm Brad Runyon. I'm Pat Boyd. What would you like? The usual. You're the first thing I've seen in California that <laughs> lives up to the advertising.
6: After moving from the bar to a table.
1: Waiter. yep yeah, sir. Uh, same thing again.
6: You get used to working in a place like this, Brad. After a while, you feel at home. <laughs>
1: Dance?
6: (laughs) Well, I guess so.
0: They get up and head for the dance floor near a small band. They dance together. Brad leading with jaunty steps. When they part, Brad snaps his fingers and sways back gracefully. Impressed, Pat follows suit. Watched by the other couples, they step forward and back. Then join up again, stepping lightly. They part again, snapping fingers. And Brad shimmies a little with a grin. He starts dancing in Charleston, kicking forward and back. Bouncing on tiptoes, he rejoins Pat. Later at her apartment.
1: I put all my cards on the table, Pat. You can help me if you will. How? Tell me about Roy, his habits. What does he think about? Tell me all about him.
0: She gets up from the couch.
6: Why should I?
1: Because I think you're just as anxious to find him as I am.
6: What makes you think so? There are lots of fish in the sea. Maybe he doesn't want to be found.
1: I think you got it all wrong, sweetheart.
6: She lights a cigarette.
1: I also think you got it bad. You ever think he might be in trouble and need help? Well, why don't we help him, Pat?
6: She steps to a chair and sits. All right. What do you want to know?
1: Everything. Right from the beginning.
6: You couldn't really call it a beginning first time I met Roy, it was more like the finish for me. She remembers being at the club. I was pretty much convinced everybody had an angle. I didn't know who to
4: trust. Well, how about it, baby? Beat
6: it, chiseler.
4: You didn't always talk this rough. Let
0: go. Roy steps from the bar and intervenes.
4: Lady says goodbye. What's it to you? Beat it.
0: He grabs the man's lapels.
4: All right, all right.
0: Releasing himself with an angry glance to Pat.
6: He walks off. Roy sits down. A knight in armor, sure, help yourself. What's your angle?
2: You owe me nothing. Not even thanks.
6: He gets
0: up and returns to the bar. Pat
6: stands and steps over to him. I'm sorry. Buy me a drink? No. Mind if I bring mine over here?
2: It's a big bar
6: steps to her table takes
0: her drink and returns as Roy stares straight ahead she looks at him making him turn and share a smile
6: friends why not they toast I'd only known Roy a short time but it was a lifetime for me got so I took him for granted I guess maybe it's because we were both lonely and needed someone to trust one closing
2: time going home Pat.
6: I'm waiting for Roy. She smacks a pinball machine.
2: Look, if he was coming, he'd be here by now.
6: I'll lock up.
2: So it's yourself.
0: Leaving the keys. Good night. The bartender leaves. Met at the doorway by Roy.
2: Good night, Roy. I see you, Phil.
0: He steps around the bar toward Pat. You're late. She steps toward him, frowning.
2: I got tied up.
6: Until three o'clock, you could have called.
2: Maybe I could have, but I didn't. Look, baby, there's no strings on me. I do what I like, and the same thing goes for you.
0: She looks down,
6: then steps away. She glances back. I didn't mean it that way, Roy. I thought maybe you were hurt or something. You approaches her.
2: I can take care of myself, Pat.
6: Well, I wouldn't
0: even know where to call you. He gets out a pencil.
2: You can always call this number.
0: He writes a note.
2: A message will get to me.
6: He hands it to her. Okay. Okay. Now let's get out of here.
2: I thought we had a date.
6: She checks her watch. That was last night.
2: What's well, time anyway. You're here.
0: He steps to a jukebox.
2: And we got music.
0: Turning it on, he beckons her, slipping her jacket off her halter-neck dress. She steps toward him and lifts her arms to his shoulders. They dance slowly. He holds her more tightly.
6: I saw Roy almost every day after that, but he never talked about himself until that Sunday we went to the zoo.
2: Back east when I was a kid. Some fellows I knew raised pigeons up on a rooftop. I used to wonder about those birds.
6: What, Roy? What did you wonder?
2: What it's like to have wings.
6: Did you ever find out? No. I can tell you, Roy. Anybody can get off the dirty streets if they want to. You gotta have a reason. He stares at the birdcage. Roy. Then turns to her. You up there with those birds. He smirks ruefully.
2: I was just thinking they're all dressed up. Can't go anywhere.
6: Where would they go, Roy? Their home's here.
2: I knew a pigeon once. He used to beg crumbs in the park. He wouldn't swap places with these fellas. He didn't like being caged up. Come on, let's get out of here.
0: They
6: get up from a low wall and step away arm in arm. You're a funny one. You have more moods than anyone I ever knew.
2: I talk too much.
6: And I still don't know anything about you.
2: How about a picture? They
6: stop, and a photographer approaches. Oh, I never look right in those
4: things. You'll do.
6: The photographer sets up.
4: Eyes ah, about a great big smile. Come on, you can do better than that. They smile. That's it.
6: Turned out that little tin type we took at the zoo was our wedding picture. Because Roy asked me to marry him. Heading up a front walk. Afraid? He shakes his head. You? No. They stop. What are we waiting for?
2: Pat, there's something I gotta tell you.
6: You don't have to. Everything begins now, right now.
2: I did time in state prison for six years. I've only been out a short time.
0: I love you, Roy. They kiss as an older man watches from a porch.
5: Well, you gonna do it or not?
0: They turn to him and smile.
6: In the apartment with Brad. That was on Sunday. The following Thursday, he was gone. I found that number he'd given me.
1: Sunset 3, 3298?
6: Yes. He said he'd gone out of town suddenly.
1: You never got a message or a letter or anything?
6: No. I guess that was just his way of calling it quits. Ten times I got ready to leave. Get out of here, go home to Kansas, anything. Then I got to thinking. Suppose he'd come back. Wouldn't find me. So, I just sit here, waiting.
1: That uh, picture you had taken at the zoo, have you got it?
6: She gets up and crosses the room to a
0: desk where she picks it up and hands it to Brad.
6: It's all I have left, Brad.
1: I'll see you get it back. It might just give me a lead.
6: Later,
0: at Homicide. Yeah, you are. Stark takes the photo in a mugshot.
4: That's your friend Roy Clark, all right. Only we knew him as Ray Shevlin. You got his record?
0: Brad accepts it. Thanks, Bob. Bob Leeds.
4: Ray
1: Shevlin, Elias Roger Considine, six months reformatory, 1935, a disturbing of peace. Stolen car, 1938, suspended sentence. Brookfield racetrack robbery, 1944, 5 to 10, in state's prison. Oh, that Brookfield job was quite a thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely.
4: We were never sure how many were in the caper, but part of the mob made a nice clean getaway with more than half a million in untraceable bills. Half a million? One of them was killed. I forget his name. He was the inside man. And Roy Clark was wounded and caught. When did he get out? Uh, April 3.
1: Uh, Four days later, he shows up in Beverly Hills with a toothache and broke. Doesn't add up, does it? What do you suppose happened to his share of the half a million they got away with?
4: We find him, we'll ask him.
1: I can almost give you the answer right now. Gordon. That's why Clark beat it to him first thing. That's why Gordon gave
4: him a car and a stake. You think Gordon was part of the caper? Adds up, doesn't it? Except why some innocent little doctor was tossed out of an 18th-story window. Yeah.
1: That's where the arithmetic doesn't total up. If we only knew a little more about Clark, his habits and his friends, we might get a
4: pattern to follow. Well, under behavior, it says here he cooperated, he got along well with his cellmate. His cellmate? Uh, What was his name? Dietz. Ed Dietz actor of some kind. Maybe the probation officer can tell you where he is. Well, if he can't, the Actors Guild can. (laughs) Good luck. Thanks. So long.
0: So what information will Roy's old cellmate provide? The flashbacks continue as we learn more about that fateful heist Roy took the rap for and find out why anyone would want his dental x-rays in the conclusion of The Fat Man, next time on Movies for the Blind. So, about those performers going on to bigger things, of course, Rock Hudson is playing Roy, and we'll get to him next week. Pat is played by Julie London, who'd become a top-selling jazz singer whose influence would be more significant over the years, and she made a comeback of sorts on the popular 1970s TV show Emergency. And Jane, the woman who started this investigation, is played by Jane Meadows, who would marry comedy legend Steve Allen and become a TV mainstay in countless game shows and other TV series. For more information and links about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, MoviesForTheBlind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast's Creative Commons license. And the movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and listening. Be back next week. Take care.